You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here. Hosting Southside Sox podcast number 24 with me is our staff writer and unofficial Hall of Fame expert. For once, we're not going to talk about the Hall of Fame in this podcast. It's Crystal O'Keefe. Thank you for jumping back on with me yet again, Crystal. Thank you, as always, for entertaining this idea of having me on. (laughs) Excellent. We're going to jump right into some White Sox developments with spring training. Of course, uh, official reporting date for all players hasn't even happened yet, but I think pretty much everybody is is there. So we've already got some, I don't know, some exciting uh, developments in the early spring before any even inter-squad games are playing. And of course, there's still room for a little bit of concern as well. So I think Crystal and I are going to go through a little bit of that in the first half of the show, just focus it more or less on the White Sox. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Crystal. Uh, an, an exciting development uh, that you've seen already from what you're hearing and some of the footage you're seeing uh, down in Glendale. My exciting development personally is Dylan Cease maybe getting his act together. I've heard only amazing things. I have put all of my eggs in one basket with Ethan Katz. (laughs) So I think maybe he's going to break out this year. I'm, I'm being very optimistic. Uh, I think he's a good kid and all I want him to do is succeed. So uh, I'm hearing all of the right things from him. I'm hearing from veterans that he's amazing. I was wanting Rondall is obsessed with him right now. So I think it's going to start clicking and I have really, really high hopes for him. And he throws you off because he's so Zen. He's so <laughs> deadpan. You wouldn't know that he's, you wouldn't know if he threw a no hitter or got shelled based on his post game reaction. He's just like, which is probably a really good thing for a pitcher. Although sometimes you do want to poke him and say, come on, man, where's the passion? 
And the funny thing is we forget about Dylan Cease as much as we're sort of a, a, maybe a, a little bit impatient with him. I mean, the guy still has in between the, the bastardized season of 2020 and the fact he came up late in the second half of the season in 2019. He hasn't even had a full season worth of starts in the major leagues. You want to see maybe a little bit more of a trajectory last season where it seemed like maybe he was, he was getting in and, and turning the corner, and we didn't see that. But the idea that it's like, oh, well, forget it, put him in the bullpen or something. I mean, whether or not we had a new pitching coach, you know, coming in this year and, and Ethan Katz or not, I think I mean, the, the truth is the guy is very early in his career, and there's still a lot of time for him to figure things out. Yeah, just we, we need to give him a chance. I think he's really going to break out of his shell this year. And I think it's, you know, so long as we have a full season, he's only going to get better. And I hope it just stays on that trajectory for his career because I'm pretty confident in him. And certainly a related development to what you brought up about C-specific is Ethan Katz, as you mentioned, a guy who's bringing in fresh eyes, everything we're hearing. And granted, of course, he's going to hype his guys. He's already been working with a, probably everybody on the staff, anybody who has the hope of being on the staff, you know, just uh, video conferencing, probably looking over some tape, you know, probably hitting the ground running in this first opportunity he has as a major league pitching coach. But the, the feedback you're getting, the things you, you hear that he's seen and the way guys are responding to him, the fact that even with like a guy like Carlos Rodon, who, you know, we've sort of, you know, sort of thrown into the scrap heap, you know, cause like, ah, he's had enough chances. He's always hurt, whatever. But the idea that he's, he's seen sort of a, a twist with the lower body. It's like, Hey, Carlos, try this. And he's, and Carlos has taken it and, and vowing to, to work on it so we can maybe actually not just be gifted a spot in the rotation, but actually earn that number five spot uh, has been, I would say, a, a nice development. It wouldn't, it's not unexpected, I suppose. Of course, there's always hype in yeah. training, but the idea that there's sort of some, some meat to that hype and it's not just, hey, the White Sox are going to be great, but it's more, you know, here's why, here's what I'm seeing, here's what I'm wowed by, and the fact that Katz just seems to be so on top of it and so in tune maybe helps that he's basically these guys' age. They can't hurt. I can see how maybe a Don Cooper would over time, you know, just have more and more trouble relating uh, to guys who are, you know, like grandchildren age or something. But, um, you know, that aside, it's just, that's been an exciting develop for me where it's like, geez, right off the bat, we're hearing this stuff that's, uh, you know, beyond the normal spring training hype, but actually there's something to it where it's like, oh, hey, you know, this guy's come ready to work. It's, you know, it's sort of cool, a little different rather than just sitting back with Don Cooper, like, uh, all right, yeah, Cooper figured out, you know, he'll come up with some weird old timey thing from 2007 that's going to like you know figure some dude out because he looked at some tape um you know the fact that he's just hit the ground running got the buy-in from giolito uh is, this is i mean in most of our lifetimes as white Sox fans we've never even experienced this type of newness on the pitching coach side and uh you, know, you gotta say that just a few days into it uh you know, the, re- the early returns are pretty cool i think michael kopek is an, another guy that you know you you mentioned to me that you're sort of you know encouraged by and inspired by another good development for you yeah I'm really excited to see what he has to offer I mean he admitted he kind of almost forgot the game there for a minute but then you see videos of him throwing and you're like did he though he's amazing (laughs) still like I can't wait to see him back out in the mound I'm just I'm really excited for him I think uh it might have been a trip article today where he admitted that um 
he didn't even really keep up with the team much last year in terms of like watching games and that. Is that a concern? Do you think he really sort of needed a break based on all the stuff we sort of realize now he's going through, you know, personally and even physically having some hesitation to come back from Tommy John in, in such a weird, abridged, bastardized season. Uh, is it concern you that he was sort of out of touch or, or does it sort of make sense? I think it makes sense. We all need a mental health break every now and again. And he had a lot going on. He's got a brand new baby. His marriage was kind of uncertain there for a really long time. So I think if he's healthy and he's back in the right mindset and he's ready to play, then I have no concerns about taking a year off to reshift and prioritize things a little more. And he seems to be back in it. So we've, we've heard his role could be anything on this team. Yeah. He could be in the rotation from the start. He could start in the Charlotte rotation. It still seems that's on the board. It seems like the most likely thing is he might be doing some sort of hybrid thing, given he's going to probably be on an innings limit where maybe he's working out of the pen, or maybe a, maybe a spot start, like maybe a six starter kind of thing. Um, you have any sense of, of, of what might make the most sense for him or what you think he might start out doing? I think obviously it makes the most sense if you spend some time in Charlotte once you have been, you know, off the bike for a year. But at the same time, I could see him still coming in to relieve, you know, right out of the pen. I could see kind of those split games. I know there were there was at least one last year where there were like two starting pitchers that kind of split the game in half. I could see that making sense for him and Cease if Cease gets to start this season. So I think anything that kind of limits him and is able to rehab him a little bit more until he's he's fully back in and his arm is warmed up and he's really truly ready to go, I think that makes sense. Just let him rehabilitate a little bit more and get back into the game. We'll get into this a little bit in the second half of the show. But, of course, if he starts in Charlotte and gets a few – uh, starts under his belt just for confidence and whatnot. That also sort of helps with his service time. Sox will get an extra year of service. So <laughs> who's yeah, because, you know, I recall not even a year ago, Nick Madrigal just suddenly woke up one day, got out of bed and he was ready to play in the majors like five days into the season. So we could see a repeat of that again. And that's sort of the way the rules are set up. So if the White Sox decide to, 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 to do it, who's to say on the flip side, Early in the offseason, Rick Hahn seemed pretty clear and, and told, of all, told all of us in the media that Garrett Crochet was almost certain to start out in the minors so he could stretch himself out because eventually, sooner than later, the White Sox see him, much like Chris Sale, the guy who gets compared to all the time, as a starter at the major league level. But he's just not ready to take on a big innings load yet. And then maybe, say, the second half of the season, he'd come up to the majors and work out of the pen. Now, as of reporting day, it's like, Hans, like, what did I, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't say that. He's, um, he's on the team from the start. And obviously, that, that's, he's going to have to perform well in spring training to earn that. But the notion that Crochet, that they have really thrown out, it seems like any notion of service time gaming with Gara Crochet maybe bodes well for any of these guys who have, really earned a spot on the team just to get it on merit because if he is starting the season contrary to what you know Han had said uh, and this isn't something that's forced by injury or uh, 
or trade or, or something like that. Uh, the fact that Crochet looks like he's really the solid number two guy in the bullpen uh, among the Southpaws, uh, you know, is a little bit of a different term for the White Sox. They seem to have not really been playing any sort of games with Crochet, and they realize what an incredible gift they have in getting this guy, and they're going to just they're going to put him to work. So I'd say that's encouraging when it comes to any kind of service time worries, or just the fact that the White Sox want to put the best 26 guys you know, uh, in the dugout and on the field and in the bullpen right from the start. That might bode well for a guy like uh, Kopech's uh, chances. Yeah, bring it. I Bring it with Garrett, too. I love him. I can't wait to see him play. That guy is a beast, and I love his really weird pants style. <laughs> so <laughs> I am all for bringing that kid in. I would love to watch that ball go 99, um, 101. Like, oh, I love him. He's so, he's so all, all shucks. It's pretty fun. I mean, you'd sort of expect that for a guy who's just getting up, you know, to the, to the major leagues. But even last year in that one week he played, I believe, I mean, I might not have my stats right, but I think he had more 100-plus pitches in one week of play last year than anybody who was in, you know, Chapman or anybody who, who throws hard all season long in the majors than anybody else. So that bodes well for him on the leaderboard this year. I have a feeling he's going to – uh, and if not set some records, he's definitely going to set uh, the difference between him and number two. There's going to be quite a gap because in one week, I think he threw the most in all of baseball in, in, in 2020. And it, he was, he was, you know, he was sort of almost, you know, cute about when he, you know, like Grandal would run out there sort of concerned, like, Hey, you know, are you okay? He threw a wild pitch or, you know, whatever it was. And, and he's like, yeah, just, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing. I mean, again, I, I hate to bring up these comparisons, but very, you know, Chris Sale was sort of a simple dude. He just sort of got the ball and chuck it out. He has that weird motion, the condor motion. And, you know, he just said, hey, I want to, you know, I want to play ball. Don't give him a weird throwback jersey that might be too tight in the armpits. <laughs> Don't do that. But anything else, he's cool, man. I mean, he just says, let me grab the ball and let me chuck it. So that, I mean, geez, just having this guy likely on the major league team is sort of an exciting development that I don't think we could have taken for granted going into it. No, I love him. I am so excited to watch him. He brought me so much serotonin. <laughs> <laughs> now we won't be White Sox fans if we didn't also have to flip side this before we go to break and say, all right, listen, the roster still has gaps. The hitters haven't even reported, you know, officially, even though we're seeing Luis Robert batting practice footage and we know Jose Abreu is going to fall out of bed and, and hit the ball 400 feet. Uh, but yet the team's not perfect. No team is. So is there a concern, not necessarily something that's coming out of spring training yet, but just something going into spring training play that's still nagging at you and bugging you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my biggest nag, bother, hate this for them is going to be out of me. And I can't with that guy. I'm not excited about him. And I see so many people, they're like, oh, he's going to be opening day. He's going to be their opening day. I can't wait to see him. I'm like, but do you remember him? And like, have you seen him recently? Because yeah, he might have won a ring, but it wasn't him winning that ring. It was his team. Mm. So I'm really annoyed with that um and this this is going to get me a ton of hate but I'm not super <laughs> pumped about Lance Lynn either hmm. um I, that trade really bothered me because we just threw away five great years with a really talented young Dane Dunning so yeah he's good but it's a year it's a year <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with that so those are my big 
concerns or just their off-season moves. You mentioned concerns without even mentioning the manager. Bonus points for you, Crystal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's obvious. There are a lot of uh, elephants in the room here. And it is funny, I have to say, and I know people are tired and they're like, oh, my God, I don't want to hear anything more about Tony La Russa. You're torturing me. I can't take it. All right. And listen, I'm sorry, guys. But that said, um, you know, there is some stuff to be concerned about. And the idea, okay, it's one thing to say, all right, let's go in, let's see what happens. Because that's pretty much my attitude. Listen, it is done. Let's see what happens. And I got to say, a lot of things we're hearing, not just from Tony La Russa, but from the guys around him, his coaching staff and players, uh, is encouraging. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, we can put back, we can put it to the side the fact that it's a bizarre choice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But the idea that it's sort of like there's this rush to bury it and last week when it came out on reporting day with the Bob Nightingale story where it's like Jerry Reinsdorf basically jumped on the grenade of this news that Tony La Russa offered freely to Jerry and said, listen, you got to know this. I got this DUI, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the skullduggery in the front office and that somehow like doesn't get to be a story. It doesn't get to be something we report because I don't know we're supposed to be past it or the season starting. And we just want to look forward to some White Sox wins, which I get. There's a disconnect there that can, that does trouble me. Uh, I don't want to over focus on the stuff off the field or the negatives. And we don't do that. We're all White Sox fans. Of course, we have to approach the team in an unbiased objective manners but as best we can but the idea that you're going to just say all right well here's a development that smacked me in the side of the head buried in some weird uh nightingale puff piece uh but we're not supposed to bring it up because it's the first day and it's like it's like spoiling christmas well i'm sorry you know dad showed up drunk on, on christmas morning i'm sorry and we got to acknowledge that it happened now we can get to christmas soon enough but Come on, the idea that we're just supposed to turn the page and there's this like almost aggressive rush rush to turn the page, I, you know, I'm not down with that. And we could still have stuff happening in spring training that we're going to have to talk about. I mean, sorry, I want it to all be good news. It's not all going to be good news. No, we give them so much money. We're allowed to <laughs> bitch every once in a while. Sorry, if you, if you have problematic behavior, I'm going to call it out. I'm still going to give you my money, but I'm allowed to call it out as a fan of this team. And I really think... Had, you know, Rick Hahn actually known about the DUI and everything, he might have jumped ship instead of, you know, if, if he was really dead set on hiring him, I feel like Rick Hahn would have jumped ship. So why can't we talk about that? And here's the wrinkle that makes me nuts about it, too, is Nightingale, not in his story, but then goes on, I think the score, goes on the radio, I think the day of the story, and says, you know, he has it on some pretty, I mean, let's face it, the guy, I think he just rents out a room and Ken Williams' house or Ryan's over somebody. Come on. Okay. He's, so he's obviously payroll. on the payroll. And he says, you know, I don't think without any prompting uh, that had Han, that Jerry made it clear, and this could be covering your ass stuff after the fact, sure, but Jerry made it clear that if Han objected, the hire wouldn't have been made. But he didn't know, so that sort of makes it easy for him not to object. It's this strange feedback loop, I think, as I was trying to describe it, that Listen, I'm sorry, it's troubling. It's not what you want, especially given the fact that the White Sox posit themselves as this familial, collegial situation where no one can be fired. Uh, Ken Williams is like a son. Ozzy Gein was like a son. Uh, Rick Hahn, I'm sure, is a son. Now he's probably got grandsons in the front office. It's like, you know, cool, great, but then why are you going to do something like that? <laughs> 
because that's that's big. I mean, what we saw printed was big. And then what we hear on the radio is like, okay, there's an extra wrinkle that's like, holy cow. You know, because I think Lee Allen was somebody who made uh, on our site, uh, you know, a big fuss about the fact that, hey, if, you, if, if these guys had any dignity, they'd quit. And you just mentioned it yourself. And, and I can see the logic there. Now we know they didn't even know. They found out essentially when we did. And then even felt compelled then to... I mean, maybe let's not say outright lie, but very much bend the truth to say, yes, we were aware. You know, Scott Reifert's, uh, uh, you know, communication director, uh, you know, initial uh, response to everybody making queries, you know, that night or that day when the story broke. Yes, we were aware. Well, we here was not defined and, and doesn't necessarily have to be if there really was a we. And as we find out now, there was not a we. And that's just dropped into the story. That's not like some like... Jeff Pisan, like, you know, investigative over months, you know, they, they unearthed this. This is like, yeah, we just put it in the story because Ryan Storrs got the cone. He's just be like, yep, <laughs> I knew. I didn't I tell like, anybody. <laughs> I feel like Rick Hahn is just that, that meme of the dog with the room on fire. You know, the, this is fine. Like that was his press conference with him going, this is fine. This is fine. It's fine. Uh, the whole entire organization is on fire. This is fine. We're going to win the World Series. The money yeah. will be spent. Like, that was him. And listen, before we were booted from the beat, when I still got to be a participant in, um, you know, booted through no fault of our own, of course, just simply a company affiliation, I guess. But I mean, that was one of the questions I have for Rick is, all right, he had come out without any prompting when uh, the Rick Renneria, Ricky Renneria uh, firing was announced. He came out without any prompting saying, we're going outside. We're going to, we want new ideas. We realize we're, you know, and I pushed them on it just saying, okay, Rick, why? This is the first time in like, you know, literally we're talking about 15 plus years, maybe pushing 20 years since they've truly had a managerial uh, search, you know, why this time? And, you know, he had, he had a good answer and, you know, I mean, he, he explained himself and it obviously was well thought out. So you're right. Poor Rick is, he is sort of the dog with the room on fire. Just like, well, you know, what do you want? You know, I got a paycheck. I got to cash it. I built this team. I want to see it to fruition. But, oh, my God, I do see a lot of fires all over the place. And my eyeballs are just, my pupils are getting bigger and bigger. And, ah, Rick. We, I kind of feel bad for him, we, honestly. We got your back, Rick. Blink <laughs> twice. Ah. You're in trouble. <laughs> Let me get my Han Scherzi for this season. Yeah, that's right. You know, I heard just, you know, uh, uh, not looking for a display, but I heard, speaking of continuing to give the White Sox your money, I heard that that dresser behind you is just chock full of awesome White Sox gear. So, Sox, come on. <laughs> Crystal's on it. Come on, guys. How many clothes, I, how many shirts and sweatshirts I've bought in the last two years? Just, you know, a reason to be proud to wear them. Just from this angle, it does look like that dresser is about to topple. So, yes, it is packed to the gills. Nice. Uh, all right, I guess this is as good a time as any to take a break. We're going to talk a little more broadly in the baseball world in the second half, and somehow the White Sox might actually look good in comparison to a lot of the stuff going on in the baseball world. But we're going to take a quick break. Uh, if you're watching us on the video, take a little brief, brief snooze. Otherwise, you're going to hear a couple announcements from our sponsors. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey there, White Sox fans. Brett Palantini with Crystal O'Keefe. It's Crystal O'Keefe and Brett Pretty good, Valentini, here on podcast number 24 for Southside Sox. We're talking spring training. It's just begun. It's not even really officially happening yet, but we've seen, as we've discussed in half number one, a lot of really exciting developments with the team early on at a time where we have to sort of take it all with like a grain because everybody's in the best shape of their lives and they put on 68 pounds of muscle and they're eating right and they're hitting 108 on the radar gun. But you dig a little bit past that between the lines, and I think there's a lot of really encouraging stuff we're seeing early on in spring training. Now, Crystal, let's let's broaden the scope. Let's just talk a little general baseball. Uh, boy, it's like a coin flip of who to talk about first, but because I know he's near and dear to your heart. Let's talk about Trevi Bauer and the fact that the guy just can't stop stepping in it. And the thing that's delightful for somebody who isn't exactly a fan, that he sort of doesn't really know he's stepping in it like every single time. He just can't, he just, someone get him a muzzle, please. Someone ban him from Twitter, like Trump him, ban him from Twitter. Cause I'm so sick of that dude. Like I had to mute him. Finally, I had to mute him, had to meet, mute his girl boss agent because she drives me insane. Like you don't have to comment on every single thing. Also, Please go to Urban Dictionary and find out what subtweet means. Um, because that was not a subtweet. Like, for real, you were tagged in that. Um, he was insulting you directly to your face. So learn what a subtweet is. <laughs> learn to put, like, put your see this phone, like, put it down, put it on silent, delete the Twitter app entirely. And just shut the hell up because nobody cares about you. <laughs> you got your money. Go, go away for a long time. It's, and, and, it's, and it's amazing. And I certainly don't pretend to know the terminology and all the ins and outs of it, um, nor probably should I. And, you know, obviously Trevor Bauer should. It does remind me of this whole, like, this debate about the subtweet. It does. I, I, I seem to like to wedge this into podcasts, but, you know, why not? It, it happened. Uh, when Paul Sullivan was dogging me last year about some kind of inappropriate questions I was asking during the Zooms, the thing that I found out from him that made him angry was that I, I, when I criticized his awful, awful, awful self-serving column about how he wasn't allowed to cover a game at Sox Park, remember, if you recall, the White Sox denied all the St. Louis media and apparently including Paul Sullivan because he had just been in St. Louis access to the park because of the fact that Missouri's status at that time was absolute wild west virus wild west doesn't seem unreasonable a little controversial but didn't seem completely unreasonable utterly embarrassing column written and i 
I don't think it's actually polite to to really dog too badly without actually naming, linking the article or naming who did it. That, that seems sort of lame, right? I think I'm on the right side there. He actually <laughs> later on <laughs> admits to me that he he dogs me in this like Zoom thing with the White Sox because my question was too collegial or something because he didn't like my criticism of that because apparently I'm supposed to criticize without naming. I'm supposed to do, I guess it is subtweeting, whatever. Yes. I'm supposed to not. I'm just supposed to like spit on the ground and get angry and say, man, that article was terrible. I don't know who wrote it, but man, it just made me angry. And I thought, <laughs> you know, I'm, not a, I'm not an expert on social media, but I thought, I think that's actually the opposite of how it's supposed to go. But, yes. you know, old man going to old man. So it's cool. Just, by me. has sort of had to inject that because we're talking widescreen. We're doing a, a wide viewfinder of baseball right now. So, hey, let's, we can talk a little trash about you. I can talk a little trash. You're, you know, you may be I just, dear friend. All I want is for him to be completely humbled this season by people just <laughs> absolutely raking on him every single time he's on the mound. Like, grandstands every single time. For a guy making $40 million, for a guy with this, you know, bizarro, you know, quick opt-out contract, sort of like we're committing to you with the biggest money ever, but sort of not committing because we know you're going to want to, like, try to make $50 million in a couple of years, okay. Uh, the guy, I mean, he wants to say young, no doubt, but the guy hasn't done a ton to be 40. Congrats on a pitcher. Like, what? I mean, that, that's a situation that's ripe for some disappointing news for the Dodgers, who, good news for them, they have about 18 starters <laughs> worthy of major league rotation. So I think it doesn't matter. They're Trevor, go in the penalty box, go tweet your thumbs off, because we got like 12 other guys we can throw in. Obviously, we don't want to count on the guy. And the thing that's interesting about the Dodgers, I can't purport to know their clubhouse. I assume if on a World Series, I'm assuming it's, it, it's tight, et cetera. The thing that concerned me as much or more about discussing the White Sox potentially getting Trevor Bauer, which we can all sit back and laugh at now because it's like 40 million. That wouldn't be a 10 year contract for the White Sox. Okay. But the concern for me wasn't even so much the, the, the easy, let's say the low hanging fruit of all his idiocy on social media. It's the fact that what is he going to do behind the closed doors with this clubhouse? That's tight. You know, that, that was Ricky Renneria's big thing is that he kept that, you know, so familial, uh, so close uh, with these, you know, di- diverse uh, from all over the place, the the, the, the Keikels and the Jimenezes. What was he going to do to that clubhouse? Because I could just imagine just a a, a bushfire. <laughs> I mean, yeah, holy it's, cow! It's like he's a locker room cancer, no matter where he goes. So I can't imagine him and his little Trump rants fitting into any clubhouse where there's any diversity at all. Other than maybe he he could have just he could have the corner locker with Adam Eaton perhaps that that, that would work out. They could have just drawn the curtain around it, had their little whispers and giggles and, and beep tweets. He's going to be the new Drake. Oh my goodness! Um, a team that actually makes the White Sox look really good these days. Sorry, Lookout Landing, uh, our sister site out in Seattle, and sorry, Mariners fans, but holy cow! Uh, what a story about Kevin Mather and his, like, I don't know, it was a Rotary Club thing. It was obviously something somewhat closed, but not so closed that you couldn't record it and you couldn't transcribe it. Uh, that was a – we have the story from Lookout Landing on the site because it just seemed so remarkable. And let's face it, it's just nice to put some news from another team that don't look so good uh, on the site. Uh, and, of course, general interest for all you Southside Sox readers as well. 
but there's really almost no base the guy touched that wasn't just incredibly damning and incredibly negative. And by, and no surprise, less than 24 hours after that story breaks, he has now uh, resigned from the Mariners. Uh, but unfortunately, I think some of the stain that he left is going to be a little bit harder to get out than simply accepting a piece of paper as a resignation. Yeah. So hot tip, if you're going to say some racist stuff, don't, I mean, first off, just don't say oh, it. Like, don't. That's the first don't, step. Don't even think it. Like, just out of your mind. But if you are, if you're going to have these racist thoughts, maybe don't say it where you can be recorded. And that can be, you know, leaked to the public. That's just my, like, hot tip of the day. I think everyone should follow that um, to be not a piece of shit. Yeah. You think that'd be sort of a basic, you know, the yearly retreat out to Maui or whatever that the executive take, um, you know, or Branson, wherever they, wherever the Mariners execs go. But you think just in the thing that you roll your eyes, you know, okay, yeah, I'm going to look through this pamphlet. But just somewhere in the pamphlet says, don't be racist. Yeah. I mean, also, spoiler alert, um, (laughs) English is not the only language that we speak here. Um, There are so many other you know, native tongues that are in this country. And I love that. And I welcome that because America is supposed to be a melting pot. So maybe just, you know, cool it with what you say. Yeah, I mean, the idea that you're sort of almost going to like bully that. I mean, there's even ways to communicate some of these thoughts that don't come out that way, who maybe discuss the challenge or wouldn't it be nice if everybody could communicate like selflessly with everyone right off the bat, just some weird, like, I don't know, uh, Willy Wonka stuff. I don't know. I mean, there's probably a way still to convey these deep, deep feelings you have that are just giving you indigestion every day without just making it seem like, like you're going to lose your job, which, which is, which is what happened uh, out here in Seattle. I mean, and Seattle, you know, I mean, not on one hand, not necessarily the diversity hotbed of the country, but have traditionally uh, had a pipeline of Japanese players into the, uh, into the majors, of course, beginning with Ichiro. Uh, my baseball, you know, <laughs> but I mean, you know, then you're dogging the guy, the, 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 uh, um, the Spanish, the native Spanish speaking player because he doesn't speak English. Well, when, in fact, he speaks incredibly well to the point where they're featuring him on videos and he's speaking English and he's talking about how proud he is that he's learned the language well enough to conduct the interviews in English. It's like, I mean, it's like you almost can't make it more, more, more of a tragic story arc. <laughs> yeah. That's like super inspiring that you're able to learn. <laughs> that quickly and be super proud of yourself that you can do right. interviews. Like, oh, guy, man, he's just, that guy's a garbage <laughs> human. I know there's a lot of like internalized racism, but gosh, you need to let that shit go. Yeah. And you know, the, and, and on the other hand, let's talk some good stuff uh, going on with the White Sox. I'm certainly not speaking like that as the bookend, but Really cool thing the Sox are doing. It started on Friday with a review of Lucas Giolito's no-hitter last year. Of course, Lucas was the centerpiece there talking, but we had Adam Engel talking about his catch. And some really, I mean, to be honest with you, some pretty fascinating insight into the game that you didn't get in the in the post-game stuff because guys are caught up. They're still working on the adrenaline. They haven't really had a chance to gather their thoughts. We learned stuff from Adam Engel that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't saying post-game. I got some insight from Kurt Hassler out in the bullpen and a guy who knows G a little really well. Just a really cool piece. Uh, Jason Benetti sort of moderated that. Really good questions. Uh, today was a, a town hall with Rick Hahn. And, and obviously all the questions are pre-recorded, so he's not going to be hit with zingers. 
it's not live. Uh, it's, you know, it can be parsed, but you know, the White Sox credit, they didn't like only have questions submitted to him like what his favorite pizza topping is. So they were legit questions and another really great example of outreach. And this is something that we thought might've taken place even back during um, Sox Fest time. Maybe that was a little too quick to try to cobble that together. But the fact that the Sox didn't drop the ball and they're doing a very Sox Fest fan outreach type thing here in spring training, especially when things are a little slow, I'm not sure they're going to exactly keep this going throughout spring training. It might actually only be maybe three or four sessions, but the fact that they did it, uh, really cool thing while excitement's high for fans, but maybe there's just not a lot going on to really necessarily satiate all the, all the, uh, or say all the, the, the excitement that's there. Uh, so a really cool thing that, that the Sox have done. It's, it's been a fun thing to cover as well. Yeah, I've watched, I mean, I've only watched a little bit of it, but it's exciting to see all of these behind the scenes thing. I love watching Lucas Giolito just talk about anything. I also love watching those interviews with his dad that I've seen previously (laughs) where he's like, I don't watch him live. I didn't watch the no hitter live. I'm like, I don't know how that could happen, but no, he's fun to watch. I'm really hoping they incorporate um, Moncada's video where he comes out (laughs) and his Hawaiian uh, romper. Like I'm hoping that's one of the panels coming up. That guy, I got to tell you, he's got some looks. He's, um, he's got flair. I don't think it's, I think it's natural. I think it just comes. They're not like, Hey, Yon, what you got for us today? He's just like, here's, here I am. I don't think the kids still say swag, but I do. And (laughs) got it. He's the coolest person on that team. We can say swag. We can say swag. And yeah, listen, Hey, uh, knock on wood, full health for him because he ended up having a pretty strong year given the fact that he was clearly debilitated by the infection um, to to the extent that he was even surprised at how limited he was. And I think it took him a while to admit that. But as we're at the tail end of the season where he's like, well, okay, yeah, it's not going to get better the way I hoped it would. I think he was pretty frank and honest and just saying, this has knocked me on my ass. I'm really surprised at, you know, because immediately, I mean, by the time we could even talk to him last year, when he had done the intake and then had to sit for whatever it was uh, a week or two. Um, you know, even then he was talking like, Oh yeah, I lost my sense of smell for a couple of days, but I'm feeling good. I kept my stuff up and, and, and Renneria was saying, Oh man, you know, he's, he's still quick on the field. I'm, I'm sort of pleasantly cautiously surprised at how good he's been. But the truth is um, you know, the guy was 75, 75%, even 90%. That's a 10% that is the difference between him and superstar. And you certainly hope that somehow, I don't know if we can really hope for this, but somehow um, he's able to to build the strength enough and the Sox can manage him in a way that we can get him uh, at that all-star level because he's definitely, it's very clear from the music videos, et cetera. He's got the all-star game off the field, no doubt. He falls out of bed with all-star. Okay. Just I want to sit on the field. I just want to know where in Hammond, Indiana, that was filmed because like I, you know, I drive through there quite a bit. I've never seen that part. <laughs> That's a, that's a very, you got to have a real secret handshake to get into that place, I think. And hey, listen, you've got the dresser full. You should have that secret uh, secret uh, door knock or, or secret code word. you got to get into that speakeasy. Maybe if I just like, I mean, they have them on Amazon. I'm just going to order one of those rompers for myself and like casually just go to a gas station in Hammond and be like, hey, where's yeah. the party at? Mm-hmm. 
And if that fails, just keep tagging him with a, with with all your social media shots. Just keep tagging him on. He's like, okay, she ain't gonna let up. I'm gonna give her a code word. It's probably just putting an accent somewhere over your name, but that's all it takes. Put it over I'm the super A. Super antisocial, and I don't drink much. But where's the party at? Got the romper. <laughs> You're sort of obligated. You have to take those extra two or three steps if you make the move to get it. I even realize that. And I'm not even, I'm further away from Hammond than you are. And I know I got to show up there if I end up somehow getting that, you know, hey, you want, come on, send one down. If you do, I'm there. Next time I'm going to make, I'm going to make a promise to myself to order that romper, Kate Gass and Hammond on my way to Chicago and just kind of look around for them. So and with Somebody's your, gotta know something. With your luck, they'll win that game when you wear it the first time, eighteen to one, and you will not be able to change it probably for like two weeks through their initial dominant division winning first two weeks of the season when they just don't lose, and you will probably just gonna, all year. I'm just gonna live in a mint green romper. That'll be great. Picking up the kids in my romper. You'll make all, woman has serious problems. You make all of section 108 seethe with envy. They thought they had all the gear. They thought they had all the looks. They just got the hot tubs. No, that's how. That's how I make the way in. <laughs> and, and clearly, you would be definitely invited to the hot tub. No doubt about it. <laughs> that's how I beat White Sox Dave in the tourney. It's yeah. gonna be here. Yeah. That's how the upset happens. All right. I think we probably covered about as much as we should be allowed to cover here. Uh, thanks, as always, everybody, for watching, for reading, for listening. Uh, surely, I mean, I know it's still, well, we're about a year away from uh, another Hall of Fame election, but I promise we'll have Crystal O'Keefe on before that to talk rompers, coronavirus, social media gaffes. <laughs> Well, maybe the inspiring uh, uh, pitching staff or the, or or we got hitters reporting. So uh, maybe in a week's time, we'll talk again about all the inspiring cracks of the bat we're hearing from down in Glendale. It's an exciting time. Uh, It's a fun time to be talking White Sox, even though we do have to maybe squeeze in a couple of negatives here and there. Come on. This is a wide, wide range of stuff that we're addressing. And, you know, there's some concerns, but uh, listen, for the first few days of spring training, it's been pretty exciting. Uh, a lot of optimism and, uh, you know, we're lucky enough to have sort of a front row seat to it. So thanks for hopping on and uh, sharing some of that excitement uh, with me and everybody else. Crystal. Thank you again for having me. All right. Well, everybody keep on listening. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. And uh, we'll be back with another South Side Sox podcast, I'm sure, very soon. Uh, but uh, keep on reading, commenting, and enjoying the site. <laughs>